Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Bump, you really need to stop questioning Kyrie's work ethic, okay? I'm not questioning You're his work ethic. You're disrespecting him. Like, how many pats on the back do you need, bruh? <laughs> 30 years old, grown man. I really felt wanted. Go do your job. If, Show can up. Can I just say, look, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're listening to the podcast, you don't hear the snapshot, which is technically during the commercial break. I'll tell you what I just said. Kyrie Irving finished his first practice with the Mavs and said he finally feels wanted and that at times he felt very disrespected by the Nets. He said, I work extremely hard at what I do. No one ever talks about my work ethic. Everyone talks about what I'm doing off the floor. I just want to change that narrative, write my own story, and continue preparing in the gym. And I did the old and Oakland fizz just face. Just immediately shaking his familiar head. familiar with the hyphy movement. I fizz faced all over that. What the heck, dude? Kyrie Irving, you are a great basketball player. He is. But this pat, constant pat on the back that you need is ridiculous. Go out and do your job and show up frequently and be consistent, and no one's going to talk about anything else that you do. But because you don't show up for work, yes. that's what we have to talk about. Also, Kyrie, again, incredibly talented. But he said, like, hey, I, I like being in Dallas so far where I feel like I want to be in a place where I'm celebrated and not just tolerate, tolerated or kind of dealt with in a way that doesn't make me feel respected. Now, I don't know what he's talking about behind the scenes as far as contract negotiations or transparency or whatever. Like, maybe you don't feel respected in that way. Mm-hmm. But if you want to talk about being, like, dealt with, well, Kyrie, it's probably because you keep getting your foot in your mouth and making your PR staff for the Nets run all around the place trying to figure out what to do. Like, if that's, like, making you feel like you're disrespected or, you know, I'm just being dealt with Mm. yeah because they are literally dealing with the fallout from whatever you said that week (laughs) Kyrie she's 30 years old bro shame all right uh what if Geno Smith's asking price is higher than we think this is inspired by something Dave Wyman said the other day on Wyman and Bob take a listen I feel like for whatever reason that Geno wants 40 million dollars I think that's that's his number I'm gonna say right now I wouldn't give it to him I love what he did I love who he was this year 40 million Best of luck to you, my friend. I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I mean, I think to me, it's it's like thirty. It's right around. Or if they did the thirty-two point four million, I, I think I'd be okay with that. Forty million, man. I mean, look, it's not that I would be shocked if Gino was asking for forty million. It's negotiating. You want to go to the table with uh, the high point of what you want, right? And be mm-hmm. like, I'm. I want this because there's no way you're going up from your initial offer, right? <laughs> but or your initial ask. But Gino. Come on, Gino. Come on, Gino. You know who he's looking at? It's Derek Carr's fault. Looking at Derek Carr. I played better than him last year. He's getting 40. Then I'm looking at... Derek Carr's already under contract. Exactly. Matthew Stafford, he's getting 40. Already under contract. Dak Prescott, he's getting 40. Already under contract. This is what he's doing. So he's either looking at these guys and saying, I performed as good as them, give me 40. Or he's saying, okay, this is where I'm going to start. Because this is negotiations, right? You go into negotiations, you never ask for what you really want to uh, to start off with. Oh, you go high. And you go, okay, let's meet in the middle. Let's see where their middle is. I know where my middle is, where I want this number to stop. But let's see what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. So it's either he's looking and comparing or he's saying, okay, let's start negotiations here and we'll meet around 30, 32. And I have no problem with 30, 32. Like, again, I, I, and me and you have both talked about like, hey, it'll be kind of nice if Gino comes back even at a higher cost than you had last year because you'll know what you have at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, there could always be regression. 
but you don't also know who he would be for eight years as a starter. It's not like he was a starter the entire time he was with the Chargers and he was backing up Russell Wilson, you, right? Like, can you say there's true regression when he was backing up guys who weren't going anywhere? I don't know. Like, so I'm leaving room for it, but right. I'm just saying, like, that's why I feel better about having Gino come back versus, you know, Drew being your starter or like another free agent or some someone in the draft. Okay. Forty million though is not a price I think anyone would expect Gino to be paid. And yeah. it doesn't matter if Matthew Stafford is getting forty million. Matthew Stafford just won a Super Bowl. If Derek Carr is getting it, okay, well that's the agreement that Derek Carr came to with the Raiders and the Raiders don't know what they're doing mm-hmm, at the time. Mm-hmm. With Dallas, okay, well that's Dallas. They wanted to pay Dak big because of the situation at the time with whether they need to extend him or whether he was going to hit free agency. Like it was a whole thing and that's the deal that he got. And by the way, they're having conversations in Dallas about whether or not Dak is worth that money. So it's not like it's not happening. Yeah, and let me, in the text lines, you guys make a good point. We're reacting to Dave Wyman. We don't know for sure no. that Gino is saying, give me 40. We're in the hypothetical. Yeah. If he is asking for 40, this is his mindset. I would this imagine is what he's that Gino has at least an understanding that he's not going to be asking for the salaries of regular full-time multi-year starters. Yeah, you would have to think. His representation knows that. He's been in the league for a while. He's seen a lot of contracts go down with his peers. If he does ask for 40, that is a bold move. And hopefully we talk about we talk about the Seahawks not disrespecting Gino with a low ball offer. If Gino were to go to the negotiation table and sit down and say, all right, guys, 40, 42, that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Do the Hawks see that as disrespectful? Like, come on, man, what are you talking about? I was literally just thinking this, Bump. I kid you not. I was thinking it's the opposite of uh, a player getting a low ball offer and being like, that's disrespectful. Is a player going in and not making a good faith uh, ask? Yeah. Right? Especially when... All you hear is how great the relationship is, how they both want to be here. You you have to approach the situation with respect for them as well and not go in being greedy when you know dang well. Again, we are reacting to Dave Wyman. This is a hypothetical. We are paid to do this. Uh, but if that if that were to happen, these are, these are our thoughts and feels. Two things. First, I heard um, Mike this morning. Uh, Mike and Brock interviewed KJ. KJ admitted, by the way, that his initial thing of like, I I wouldn't pay uh, Gino more than 20 or pay Gino around 20. He was like, I might have I been disrespectful <laughs> uh, with right that there. offer. Exactly. He was like, okay, I I would hope 25 with incentives. Ooh, I'll take that deal. Yeah, 25 with incentives or close to 30 with incentives. If you can get under 30 and then tack on its incentives, I'm cool with that. Sign me up. I'm here for it. Um, so first things first was KJ kind of altering that and saying like, hey, that's – I think that even I have to admit that 20 was it's a little low. Was offensively low. Yeah. <laughs> a little low. Um, but secondly – um, Mike uh, was talking about um, how Super Bowl teams are built and kind of what they've done. And he was looking at Philadelphia, and it's an interesting conversation because Philadelphia added a lot of defensive help this offseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they added A.J. Brown, but Hassan Reddick was a huge addition. Um, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was a big addition, not the biggest, but a good addition for that team. And um, I just, again, I cannot back down from the point. I refuse to back down from the point. That paying Gino, whether it's 32 or the 25 with incentives that KJ's talking about, doesn't keep you from adding those guys. And also, the Eagles were able to go from 9-8 and eight to a Super Bowl team because they also had Jalen Hurts. They didn't just have a quarterback who was cheap. They had a great quarterback who was cheap. Yeah. For the low. You got him for the low. And there are scenarios that, and you know, let me, let me rewind a little bit. 
March 15th is going to determine a lot. It's going to determine what you can do, what you want to do, what you think you can do. The re-signing of Geno or the non-signing of Geno is going to cause a domino effect, a chain reaction, and you're going to have more clarity to how you can do it. Now, we know that you can do it. We know that you can sign some guys, but how are you going to do it? And that all falls on what's going to happen with Geno. Is he at 25 with incentives? Is he at 30? Is he, at, is he franchised at 32? Do they franchise and, and they move him? Business is constantly changing, right? The, the landscape of things is constantly changing. And I think until we get to March 15th, there are going to be rumors. There are going to be speculations. We're going to figure out who's healthy, who's not healthy, who do you want to cut. This is the tough part of the season. This is where Schneider and Pete Carroll make their money right here. I mean, Pete Carroll during the season, game planning and all that. Really, Schneider. Schneider's like, look, this is where I shine. So I, I, it's, it's easy to say, okay, we got to wait and see what happens with Gino. But until then, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw scenarios out there because these are real scenarios that happen throughout the league. Yes, they're hypothetical in this situation, but throughout the league this happens. And I'm sure some of these situations that we are talking about are going to be on the table. So it's a, it's a waiting game at this point. And why we wait, we talk about it. Another thing KJ said is he believes Gino will be signed. The question is, it's not if Geno's going to get signed, it's when will Geno Smith get signed. And I think the biggest question that the fan base is looking for is, what's that magic number going to be? What can John Snyder and Coach Carroll and Geno all agree to? And I believe when you look at Geno, when you look at any player that's up for a contract, it's a complete body of work, right? When we look at Geno Smith, it's only been one season of phenomenal football. And so I'm very interested to see, will this, will this be a type of contract to where you have a good base salary, but hey, Gino, we love you. You did phenomenal for us. Let's put a few incentives in here for you to re- reaffirm us, reassure us that you are the quarterback that we are paying. KJ Wright saying that Gino's one year of work makes it hard to predict the kind of money that he could make in a contract, but he is pretty confident that Gino will sign, and it's not a matter of if but when. It makes it hard. It makes it it makes it hard for us to buy in, for us to be kind of on the same page. When Pat Mahomes got paid his money, no one blinked tonight. No one Yeah. What? It's Pat Mahomes. It makes sense. Pat Mahomes, see the years that he's having, cool. When Russell Wilson got paid, uh, there was a little twitch in the eye. You're like, Are oh, you sure you want to do that? With Gino, he's just in he's in that that case Keenum type of situation where you have a good year. The timing is perfect. So there's no way that we're all gonna sit at the table and say, Okay, he's worth X amount of dollars because you're looking at again start for seven or eight years. There's fair arguments either yeah, way. Yeah, there's arguments everywhere that I respect. Yeah, you know, but you have to go with your gut and what you believe, and that's what Schneider's going to have to do. Then Gino's going to have to listen to this this proposal or this offer and see if it's good enough for him. So yeah, it's a it's a tricky situation. It'd be so much easier if he, if he did it for two years. We'd be sitting here like, boom, we got a number. We're around the same number. We're good to go. But because we've only seen it once, you got to roll that dice. You rolling with Geno? Are you rolling with Drock? Or you look, I mean, Drock. I'm thinking of Brock Hewitt right I now. I like Drock. Uh, <laughs> Drew Locke. Are you going to this draft? So, yeah, he's right. One year makes it tough. But I'm I'm bought. I'm bought in for one year. All right. Well, when does KJ think Geno could be signed? Absolutely. And I, and I don't think that the Seahawks will franchise tag Geno. I do believe that they are going to come to a long-term deal. And so I still believe it's going to be around three years. And I do believe that they trust Geno. They love Geno. They respect him. But to franchise tag him, I cannot see them doing that. That franchise tag deadline is March 5th. So that would mean that that deal would come before March 5th. Still in the next couple of weeks.
So if you franchise them, there's a possibility you trade. Yeah. You can still come to a long-term deal if you franchise tag yeah. someone. But yeah, yeah, it's buying you time. Yeah, it's buying you time, but it's also in the interest of that player to be like, I'll take 32 guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. 32. And I can see a situation where Gino does take 32 million guaranteed, the most he's ever made in his career. He He's the type to bet on himself. He's the type to say, okay, let me go out and prove it. Because the same way Gino went out and had a good year is the same way that he feels that he can improve. He understands the situation. He knows why he hasn't been paid. He hadn't, he hadn't played football in a very long time. He got one season. Gino is aware of this situation from all angles. And that's what I appreciate about him. I like about him is that when I hear him talk, he doesn't seem like he's just stubborn and that there's no talking him out of a number there's no he's not going to listen to ideas and negotiations and ways to move money around. That's what make me makes me optimistic that it deals going to get done eventually with this dude. Also that Gino has spoken multiple times about being grateful to have had this chance with Seattle. Like, I don't know that his agent loved this, but he said on the record after the final game right. of the season, that being the postseason game, like I wouldn't even be in the league. If it weren't for Seattle, like I was, right. he was out. Uh, we heard from John Schneider on Wyman and Bob that Gino was talking with John Schneider about like exploring options in the CFL and like, hey, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I, I really want to start. Maybe I need to go look at another league or play mm-hmm. in Canada or something. And and here he is now. So I think he knows, hey, this is an opportunity I am grateful to have. But this is also generational wealth that, by the way, I earned. Like, I think people a lot of the times are like, it's about what can you do for me, not what have you. No. <laughs> I mean, hey, I I gave you a Pro Bowl season, a good mm-hmm. season. Um, and I'm asking now, I'm telling you I can do it again. I've I've given you not a ton of reason to think I don't at least have the ability to do it again. Yeah. Uh, and I'm asking for the salary that that would typically require is what Gino's doing. There's a texter yesterday that said um, – you don't pay him for what he did. You pay him for what he's going to do. I go, no. nah, that's not the way that works. Mm-mm. You pay someone solely based off of what they <laughs> what they did. He goes, oh, I disagree with you. I go, oh, you can disagree. That's fine. But there is measuring sticks for everything. And right now you have one year, a Pro Bowl year, 30 touchdowns, 4,200 yards to figure out what you want to do with this dude. Yeah, there's also a lot of taking away from that Pro Bowl year, by the way, because once you have one year, I think this is what goes into it, too. When you only have one year to go off of, there's going to be a lot of, like, dissecting that one Mm -hmm. year. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, here's one way I can interpret the year. Hey, Gino was pretty solid. Another way, well, the offense turned the ball over. Well, Gino didn't have a great final stretch. I think that's why you have so much debate there, too, but... Either way, that is the latest on that, that um, there's one idea that he, he may be asking for as high as 40. Like, that could be something that's happening. Mm-hmm. Again, that was just an idea thrown out there. It's not anything being reported that Gino is doing. Uh, the other, that K.J. Wright, who was on with Rock and Salt this morning, thinks Gino gets signed uh, before the franchise deck deadline of March 5th. That's that. On that, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one: The Kraken had their doors blown off by the Islanders last night for nothing, losing in a shutty. What's the real headline? Real athletes are just like us, dreading that first day of work back from vacation. We've all kind of hit the office too soon after coming back from vacation mm-hmm. where, like, you realize your vacation kind of took it out of you. Yeah. Like, you didn't relax on the beach even though you went to Cabo. You know what you did. The worst day <laughs> of vacation is that last day you got a late flight. You're like, oh, 
I have enough. I can have a couple drinks today, right? I'll be good tomorrow. <laughs> still I'll recover. I'll drink that liquid IV when I get to the house and be good to go tomorrow. Then you wake up, you're like, I shouldn't have had those last drinks. No. I think that's what the, the Kraken did. You know, they're right. Look, yeah. one, more, one more Mai Tai, babe. What you got to do is schedule that day off in between the last day of your vacation and the first day of your work. I have since learned to do that, but it took me like 10 years into working oh, yeah, jobs definitely. to realize like, oh, because when you, you request go vacation, add energy. You yes. can be like, oh, I'm 22 years First old. First of all, when I had friends in college <laughs> that would literally stay out partying until 4 a.m. and then work like a shift at a coffee shop at 6 and just stay up. And I'd, I'd be like, how? How do you do this? But that's not like super weird in your early 20s. You hit your 30s, you hit your 40s, and you're like, I need another week, man. I Look. I, I need some time. I need some time to come back. Now, Just give it a minute. Kraken, very young players. This is a joke because a couple of them did go uh, on vacation to Mexico. Um, I think it's just it just wasn't their best day. You got some injuries to track in this one. Andre Burakovsky had to leave the ice pretty quickly. Uh, we'll watch that. Andy Eid, who joined us halfway through hour one. He's going to be in hour one of the podcast if you want to go back and listen to his updates there. A couple of names to watch. Um, next up is the Rangers on Friday. Next shot at it. Let's see what they can do. Headline rewrites. Headline number two, college football insider Brett McMurphy, who joined us at the start of hour two. Check out the podcast page. He reports Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov is visiting with SMU today in Dallas. What's the real headline? If you're complaining about these expansion targets, I need to remind you that beggars can't be choosers. I do I'm love, though, complain. I do love that you and Bump are <laughs> not like on opposite sides, but I love that you guys are bringing two different perspectives to it. Bump, yours was more geographical, like the incentive... Uh, that uh, recruitment there gives you. It gets you in the South. It gets you in Texas. Now, this is the sixth or seventh school in Texas. you got a lot of options, but there are a lot of ball players down there. A third-tier Texas football player will come to Washington State and make all-league on varsity on Friday night. That's just how good they are down there. So it allows you to tap in. SMU has a decent offense, 14th overall, 7th throwing the football. I mean, these guys can come in and compete. Is it ideal? No. Is it a school that attracts eyes and ears and you get excited about SMU takes on Cal hey, Berkeley they were good in 2019. on Saturday? <laughs> like, you're not going to get hyped up for this, but this is where the Pac-12 is. You got to take teams like this and hope that their affiliation with you builds up their prestige and the prestige of the conference. Curtis, you were lamenting the moves they didn't make. Yeah, passing on BYU, letting other schools swoop in and, and take USC and UCLA. It just kind of feels like they're trying to plug holes in the boat while taking on too much water. And that is a, a losing formula. And they are now firmly the fifth among the Power Five conferences. And uh, I don't know if the addition of San Diego State and SMU are going to be enough to get them uh, back amongst the more respected conferences. Also a very fair take. By the way, Brett McMurphy earlier, we asked him, hey, where does Gonzaga fit into the landscape of all of this? Wondering if there was a path that they could possibly be in the Pac-12. And he mentioned Gonzaga potentially joining an East Coast conference. What do you guys make of that? East Coast conference? Didn't he say ACC or did he just say some conference Good on luck. the East to be able to compete with some of those schools? Uh, I, I mean, remember. I know they flirted openly with the Big 12. Maybe the Big East is another conference because... Uh, every school in the Big East, except for, I want to say, UConn, is a private Catholic school. So that would kind of fit in uh, with what Gonzaga's, you know, entire personality is. Yeah. Uh, but that travel would be ridiculous. The Big Man. East is, Creighton is in the Big East, which is in Nebraska. But then 
most schools are in the northeast portion of the United States, which that would be an absurd amount of travel for Gonzaga. But they win wherever they play, so who knows? I'm not going to say what I was going to say. What are you going to say? Except for the game that matters most. Oh, Brent Brent Stecker in shambles. (laughs) Headline rewrites. Go dogs. (laughs) Hey, last hey. West Coast team to win hey. a national championship? Bear down, Arizona. Okay, that's Just fair. throwing that out there. <laughs> Headline number three, the Raiders have granted Derek Carr permission to visit with the Saints to work out a trade offer. What's the real headline? Going from Vegas to New Orleans sounds like a college kid deciding on spring break locations. You go, Derek. Have a Woo! great time. Figure out Mardi Gras. Can I say my worst spring break destination in college? We decided Sacramento would be cool because it's in California. That... Freezing. Absolutely freezing. <laughs> Sacramento? Nothing to do. We went to a Starbucks and then found like a, a The heart a of cool government. Club. In yeah. California. Yeah, exactly. We're like, Sacramento, yeah, spring break in Cali. Juggle Show like up. Clubbing or anything? We did. It was in a it was in a, a stretch mall parking lot. Like we showed up, we were like, best. this is when, the club. When you guys <laughs> booked your trip to Sacramento, it was a great time. did you think it was like Southern California? Um, I think well, no. Part of it was we're 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 broke. We're uh-huh. in college. That's so as far as your money my can roommates, take you. Yeah, my roommate's cousin lives in Sacramento. Uh, me and my roommate and uh, one of our mutual friends, we're all at UW. It's freshman year. We go down there because we decide to take a Greyhound bus to save like $70. Uh, and then we Miserable. room and then we room with her cousin in Sacramento. And um, look, her cousin was great. She's I love her cousin. Love that friend. I think we all collectively decided, like, let's not do this again. <laughs> it was a spring break failure. All bad. I know. Spring break and sacked. Do you want to? I totally took us off the rails. Can I get like 30 seconds from you on Derek Carr to New Orleans potentially? How do you like that fit? Derek Carr to New Orleans. Uh, there's some weapons over there. You got receivers. You got a running back over there. You play indoors. The conference is uh, not very good. There's mm-hmm. opportunity over there. He wants to, He wants to, uh, his franchise to be all in on winning a championship. You ain't going to win one with New Orleans, but you can help them build to win a championship for sure. Uh, a question for you guys. No spoilers if you know the answer, but throw out a guess that you would have. If you were to choose one Seahawks player to participate in next week's All-Star Celebrity Basketball game, who would you choose? I would choose... You don't know the answer, right? I do know the answer, okay. but I'm not going to say Okay. I would choose Tyler Lockett. He's a good shooter. Curtis, who would you choose? Michael Dixon. <laughs> I can't. I can't with you. We'll tell you who did get chosen. Double dribble. Next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. I asked you guys which Seahawk you would choose if you wanted to see a representative in the NBA's All-Star Game. Celebrity All-Star Game. Celebrity All-Star Game. Um, the answer of the person that's going, DK Metcalf. One DK Metcalf will be playing in the NBA's Celebrity Basketball Tournament. Uh, also playing, it's a mix of, uh, obviously, like, celebrities with music, arts, and then sports. So you have Janelle Monae, Hassan Minaj, 21 Savage, um, let's see, Calvin 21. Johnson, <laughs> Calvin Johnson, and Albert Pujols is going to be in this tournament. Heck yeah. Or no game, fast breaks tournament. from my man Pujols. He's just uh, walking it up the half court. Half-court offense. Dude. Hey, get in, guys. Ten-second violation, <laughs> getting it across half-court. <laughs> takes it's a minute. Now. So he's really going strong. Oh, yeah. Catch his breath for just a second. Just <sighs> What if the same thing happens? Remember when people were like, oh, home run derby, how nice that they're honoring Albert Pujols with this, but, like, what's he going to do? He and then he like got to the next, Yeah, he got to the next round and kind of looked like he was, like, 
Dang it. <laughs> like, what if that happens? What if he's actually good and then he's like, I got to keep this hot streak going. I'm on fire right now. I'm sick of every bucket. Hey. One thing about this game that I don't know if these celebrities are ready for is it's in Salt Lake City, so it'll be played at altitude, and they're going to be sucking wind around the third, fourth quarter. Definitely. I've it's played just- in high altitude. Our practice. I trained. We used to go to Big Bear and train in Cali, and it tears your lungs up. Look, I will say that the reason that this is in NFL headlines is if you were to think of two NFL stars, one former, one current, that you would want in a celebrity basketball tournament, it would be Calvin Johnson and DK Metcalf. And don't forget that time that DK Metcalf was told by a coach, hey, you could be Calvin Johnson and got, like, kind of offended. <laughs> Great moment. Well, that was Jim Schwartz, Jim the Eagles Schwartz. DC. Oh, my yeah. God. And he said, uh, it wasn't even meant to be. He said, you remind me a lot of, or you could it be as good as Calvin diss. Johnson. You could be as yeah. good as Calvin Johnson. And maybe even better. Like, I forget what he said, but he was just saying, like, you have that kind of potential. Yeah, it wasn't Who's a, a diss, Hall of Famer. And DK was like, and then I took that personally. <laughs> like, what? Exactly. It, wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing. And I took that personally. Uh, all right. Well, we were wondering who might be quarterback for Washington, one of the teams who could be in there looking at one of the free agents. Yes, that includes Geno Smith. There hasn't been anything linking the Washington uh, commanders to Geno Smith, but they are one of the quarterback needy teams. Uh, there is one young quarterback who's going to start in the thick of this competition. Ron Rivera said that second-year play caller or signal caller Sam Howell will receive the first shot at the job. He was kind of an under-the-radar player last year. It wasn't a great rookie class for quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Everyone was focused on the second- and third-year players for good reason. Sam Howell, one of those guys. The that Ole Miss? Ole Miss. I don't know. Sam Howell was at North Carolina. North, North Carolina. Carolina. Hey, he's he can play. He can play. He's mobile, mobile enough, make a couple throws. You drafted him, why not? Let's see what happens. I do wonder how good Washington could be. They have, they're not, like, stacked on offense, nor on defense, really, but they have great players on either side of the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have a couple, they have just enough where you're like, they could have been uh, in there along with the Giants. They were for a while. I mean, they were in the mix for a little bit. Yeah, got knocked out in, in a very tight NFC East race, but there was a moment when all four NFC East teams were in there and it didn't feel like Washington was too out of place compared to kind of the, the wild card teams that were in the NFC. It was, it was anyone's game. Uh, all right. Um, NFL.com has uh, an article by Greg Rosenthal, friend of the show, looking at some of the major, major roster decisions um, that can go into uh, every AFC team if they want to get to the Super Bowl. It will not surprise you how many of these have to do with quarterbacks because that is going to continue to be a conversation this offseason. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens are two of the teams with big decisions to make. One, do you give Lamar Jackson a guaranteed contract or not do you give Lamar Jackson a huge contract or do you let him walk Two, Cincinnati you better start paying Joe Burrow you're gonna have to do that pretty soon with that extension they better do both the Baltimore Ravens are Lamar Jackson Lamar Jackson Jackson is the Baltimore Ravens that that's just how this thing works yeah. as far as Cincinnati you will not you wouldn't be relevant without Joe Burrow he is the reason you guys are talked about today he does have helps you got Chase you got Higgins you got Mixon all of that is fine and dandy, but Joe makes this thing go. Copyright that. Make it a T-shirt. You sell a lot of those things. And Lamar, no one's going to run this offense like Lamar. No. You, you throw Huntley in there. Okay, a semi-mobile quarterback. No one can do it like Lamar Jackson. You have to pay him. I don't know why so many people. 
I understand that Lamar Jackson could be looking for a record-setting deal or maybe like a fully guaranteed deal, right? Like he was recently, relatively recently, an MVP. He's still very young. Mm-hmm. Um, this franchise found a ton of success with him at quarterback, and they seem like a good marriage when they have some extra pieces. They were missing some weapons on offense this year. I continue to be kind of confused why so many people want to write Lamar Jackson off as being like not worth any money. Because because he doesn't stand there and throw it fifty but what times a game. Does what quarterback does? I mean, I mean, quarterbacks throw that thing. Joe Burrow throws it. Pat Mahomes throws it. Uh, Tom Brady throws the heck out of it. It just doesn't yeah, look Joe like Joe Burrow goes throws it because he has uh, like two one thousand yard receivers, a great tight end. Like who's Lamar going to throw it to? Yeah, I'm just. I mean, I don't I'm think just, you're disagreeing. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling I know. You I know. Why. For anyone who listens though, and they're like, well, why can't? Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson do that. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson has Joe Burrow's arm or Joe Burrow's ability. I have no idea who Lamar Jackson is as a quarterback with those kinds of receiving weapons. I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, he's had great receivers before. Hollywood Brown was great there, but like, they go. does he have T. Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase? And you know what I mean? His best receivers is tight end. Mark Andrews. That's what I'm saying. Nothing wrong with that. We've seen that kind. Of, I mean, Travis Kelsey, best uh, receiver for Travis or for um, Patrick Mahomes, but Travis Kelsey has twelve touchdowns in the regular yeah. season. So. Yeah, and guys helping him. Uh, there's a couple other moves in here. I'm curious to see what you think about them because one of them is something you've been advocating for. Greg Rosenthal says that the move for the Houston Texans should be to sign a veteran quarterback and pair them with the rookie that they're going to draft. Exactly, Jimmy, Jimmy G, Garoppolo. He's the guy. He's your transition quarterback. That is his profile for the rest of his career. You got D'Amico Ryans over there. He's familiar with Jimmy G. Go over there and get it done. I don't think Jimmy G is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. He had his opportunity. It didn't work out. If he's not surrounded by a team like the San Francisco 49ers, he's just not that guy. So what do you do? You bring him in so he can teach the young, give back to the NFL, and help us boy out Ryan's out over there. Greg points out that there are some backups already that you could sign. Case Keenum, Andy Dalton, those guys aren't going to necessarily expect them to have the long-term starting job. They're already backups. Jimmy G, another option, because Texans GM Nick Casario was in New England when the Patriots drafted Jimmy G. So, like you said, that could be an option that fits there. Uh, another one that you were wondering about is whether or not uh, Jimmy G ends up in Vegas or whether or not uh, Rogers ends up in Vegas. Rogers has to go on his darkness retreat and figure out whether or not he wants to retire. I know you like Aaron Rodgers to Vegas. What about Jimmy G? Jimmy G to Vegas? Um, nah, he's going to Texas. Pretty convinced. I'm convinced. Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Is Texas ever going to figure it out? Houston, I should say. N- never. No. Not, not until I'm in my mid-50s. Is Houston going to figure it out? What if <laughs> What if Houston drafts their quarterback and it works out? They get Bryce and it works out. And he is the guy. And he is their Mahomes. And they figure it out. Like, how much does just that quarterback do for a team? I mean, it definitely lifts all, uh, what is it, rising tide lifts all ships. I think that would do wonders for their rebuild. The problem is, is that the AFC quarterback picture is so, so treacherous uh-huh. where you've got to be, I mean, if you're the seventh best quarterback in that conference, you're probably the best quarterback in the NFC. But the problem is, is that, you know, seventh overall in a conference is the last playoff. Team. So that's the thing. Imagine if um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, who was on one of the wildcard teams or Justin Herbert 
were over here. Well, no, just just kidding. The Jags were not a wild card team. Totally yeah, based on that. Division. Yeah, they won, they won the AFC. Earned it. Won the NFC. Well, like AFC I, of the playoff quarterbacks in the AFC this year, I would probably put Trevor Lawrence as the worst of them, and he's still, you know, really good he's for a second good. year quarterback. Yeah. I like the offensive weapons you listed out. They've got some stuff to, to make. I think the city of Houston free. sold their soul to make the Astros as good as they are to where they can't have any other good love teams. Love that theory. I love it. That's I exactly love the idea happened, of honestly. the Astros being punished by just no other team being allowed to be good. Yeah. Oh, you want the Astros to be that good? Oh, All yeah, right. The Texans well, there you and go. Rockets are terrible. Yeah, it sounds like a horrible, like one of those dark movies where you make a wish and then there's horrible consequences all around you as a result. I don't like it. It's very dark. Uh, all right, we are headed to the Super Bowl. Not literally, not right now. It's on Sunday, but we are going to talk about wild cards for what could be a wild Super Bowl. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle's Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. All right, it's not the wild card round, but there could be some wild cards in the Super Bowl this Sunday for the Chiefs, for the Eagles. There's always something a little unpredictable in any game. So, Bump, we're going to look at the things that um, could lead to a certain outcome being affected, could weigh the uh, tables in, in favor of one player or one team over the other. Just things that you kind of were going through the stats, you were reading about this game, you were learning about previews, and you thought, you know what? We're not talking enough about this. Or, you know what? If this player goes off, this is a different ball game. Or if this part of the you know ball heads into bad habits or falls into bad habits, this could really go towards the Chiefs or the Eagles. You get the picture. So we're talking about some wild cards for the Super Bowl. Not wild card weekend. Um, I have one. What do you got? I'm going to start with the run game for the Chiefs. Okay. They're not known for their run game, but they have a young guy. Isaiah Pacheco, who impresses me more and more every time I watch this young man play football. Even when he doesn't put up huge, massive numbers. It's the way that he runs. It's how he affects the ball game. If Pat Mahomes is not 100%, I guarantee you he's not going to be 100%. You got to rely on that run game a bit. And he runs hard. Even if it's a two- or three-yard run, we need out of him or the Chiefs need out of him what we wanted out of Ken Walker sometimes. It's just, man, just get two or three. Just make them have to respect the run. And then what that does is going to open everything up for this young man. So far this year, he's got 830 yards and five touchdowns on the ground receiving the ball. He's got 14 for 130. He's going to open this game up. You got weapons on the outside. You got Travis Kelsey. You got Juju. Coleman's not going to play or – Hartman's not going to play. But you get this young man involved in early and often early and make that D-line work. You tire him down. You wear them down. He could be a key to the Chiefs' success. I really, really like his story, too. Like, it's always easy to root for those kind of guys. And you get to the Super Bowl where they do all the features. Like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. they'll have one on him or on a couple different players who are, like, later picks or whatever and kind of look at what they can do. But I just – it's – it's great because everyone knows Travis Kelsey is going to make an impact. I mean, yesterday during Hype Train, one of our Hype Trains was that Travis Kelsey would have the hat trick, have three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. It's harder to predict what some of those players will do, especially if they came on later in the season, took over for a starter who lost his job, whatever it is. And it's, uh, I would imagine, kind of a nightmare to game plan for those guys for opposing uh, coordinators that we never think about. Like we think, like, oh, it must be hard to game plan for Mahomes. Yeah, but it's also hard to figure out what they're going to do with guys who are kind of getting into a hot streak. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my wild cards is, uh, I hesitate to say it's just on defense. It is on defense, but it's a particular stat. 
about the halfway point in the year, we were talking about the, how the Eagles were just far and away, not even close, the best team with takeaways. Like they had like twice as much as the next closest team. And sometimes they were just lucking into them. Like against the Jags in week four, they had five takeaways on defense. That's insane. Yep. And they had three takeaways two times and two takeaways three times. I mean, they were just completely dominating when it came to winning uh, in turnover differential. However, since week 14, it is actually the Chiefs that have more takeaways than Philadelphia. Philadelphia's defense has quieted a little bit. Their defense has still been great. And they've also faced um, some teams that are running the ball, right? They're facing, um, they face the New York Giants three times, including in the playoffs. Uh, they faced uh, the Cowboys. They faced the Titans. So they're not getting as many opportunities to get interceptions, but still forced fumbles. There's still things that you can do. Um, Their best turnover game uh, was three turnovers against San Francisco who didn't have a quarterback. So I don't want to, I don't want to say that they didn't do a great job with takeaways, but you do. I count all those equally. (laughs) Do I count those takeaways equally? Uh, I think that we are overlooking how dominant the chiefs defense can sometimes be like Chris Jones, a dominant player. That's secondary, very young, but can still, you know, like bite back and can still get picks. Like this is a defense that has the Chiefs 12 takeaways, 12 takeaways on defense since week 14. So I don't know, just something to consider. Like they've had multiple two takeaway games. And I think that we could head into this one seeing that be potentially a difference for a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Hurts. And the Eagles rely heavily on RPOs, run pass options. So I'm going to explain this to you guys who don't know. Say Jalen is in shotgun position. He's got Miles Sanders to the right of him. He's got two receivers lined up on the outside. Miles Sanders runs across Jalen Hurts' face, and he puts the football out there, holds it in his gut, and rides him. He's looking at the outside linebacker to see what he's going to do. Outside, he can look at outside or middle, depending on who who they're ganging up on, most of the times outside backer. If he bites down to respect the run, Jalen Hurst pulls the football, boom, he hits the guy in the slot. RPO, he's got the option, right? Or if he's riding Miles Sanders, that DN who's unblocked crashes down. If they decide to option that guy right there, he crashes down, boom, he keeps the ball, he runs. So, when you have RPOs, when you're running RPOs, what messes up RPOs is jacking up the timing. That Kansas City defensive line that you just mentioned, that's how they defeat these dudes. You jack up the timing. Chris Jones gets into the backfield. You mess mess up the mesh with the running back. You make Jalen Hurts have to react to what that D-line is doing and not what that second level is mm-hmm. doing. That's how you mess that up. A wild card for me. You know who's on the injury report for the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday? Who? Who? Nobody. Oh, and Nobody. meanwhile. <laughs> meanwhile, on the other side, oh. you got some things going on. Hardman, Tony, Juju Smith-Schuster. These guys are banged up. Uh, Pat Mahomes, your leader. We just heard Christian McCaffrey talk about, man, I didn't feel like these guys got our best shot. You know, your best ability sometimes is your availability. And everybody wearing green and black as of today is available and ready to go. So the Kansas City Chiefs are going to get the Eagles best shot. And we know their best shot is one of the best in the game. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, I I guess the ultimate wild card is really going to be Patrick Mahomes' ankle. Like mm-hmm. a little tiny right ankle is going to be the ultimate wild card in this game. But do love the idea of 
a running back for the Chiefs surprising of the Chiefs defense, um, you know, being the star when everyone's looking at Patrick Mahomes. Right. Uh, The idea of the Eagles being the healthier team and being able to take advantage of something that's really hard to predict, which is injury. Mm -hmm. So anyways, lots of wild cards heading into the Super Bowl and uh, we'll continue to preview the Super Bowl as we inch closer to the game. We've got Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl coming up uh, on Friday. Trivia show between you bump and you Curtis. Um, This is going to be probably my best quiz ever. Uh, I'm I'm just going to go ahead and project that I'm going to do an amazing job putting that out there. I need a bounce back performance. You, I was shameful last week. I think the problem is you didn't understand the rules <laughs> yeah. until we were like 10 questions in. Yeah, yeah, that was the problem. I can't, but I can't be that guy. I tell my son all the time, pay attention. See, I was here being paranoid that I didn't make the rules clear. Nah. But then you had Curtis. It's clear to my me. shining star. Uh, I got it. <laughs> Nailed it. All right. Uh, all right. Still to come, we are going to talk about the weight of expectations, a hugely important conversation that happens all the time in sports. It was inspired by LeBron James' performance last night. That's coming your way next.